Well, I know it's like, Jan what, today's January 23rd, but I, it's funny, I feel like I need to say it's good to be back, because it's been kind of a delay. Who's had a delay since the new year? <laughs> it's been, been kind of interesting. But uh, so I, I know we were here last week and trying to get here and get things rolling again after snow and ice and being safe after Christmas with everybody being sick and everything. And now I feel like, okay, it's time to roll into this year. So I kind of feel like we're just beginning uh, 2022 as a church, even though it's the 23rd day. Um, but I just, at this time of year, what I usually do, maybe all of you do this, but when I get to wintertime, I always do some more reflection. This is the time where I always step back a little bit and I actually start searching my heart. How are things shifting? What's going on this year? Lord, what is in your heart? What do you have? What are you doing? What are you up to? So I begin to search my own heart, and I want to search God's heart. And uh, I feel just a few things uh, for this coming year. Actually, a very, very simple word, which is endure and rest and rely on his strength for this year. We need to endure, but we need to rest in him, and we're never going to be able to do it on our own. We just need to rely on his strength. Amen. And that's really the word for this coming season. I have a few things that um, I'm gonna, to, going to preach on uh, in the next uh, week to two weeks, three weeks. So I just want to begin to crack that open today. And I want to talk about uh, our weakness is our greatest strength. I want you to say that out loud. My weakness is my greatest strength. I've often said that when somebody is going through an issue, even though it's not comfortable and they don't enjoy that time, or even somebody who's struggled with an addiction or somebody who's had a really just earth-shattering moment in their life, they've actually been given a gift. Because what's happening is, is the world is turning right now, right? There's people going and coming, right? Business and commerce is going across the world. People are getting married, just like the Bible says. Things are just constantly going, and uh, very little acknowledgement of God. You know, a small percentage of the world is looking to God and saying, God, thank you. You're the reason. You're the focus. You're the center of this, right? We know that. That should break our hearts and also cause us to pray and to be witnesses to this world. That's why we're here. Amen. But it is a reality. Let's be aware. Are we aware of that reality? But with that said, even though things are going and turning and moving and, and, and it's seemingly without him, which is impossible because if the sun's still shining, then God's still here, isn't he? Right? They don't even realize it. Right? We've been give, you're given grace before you accept his grace. Don't you realize that? Who realizes that you had grace before you, <laughs> you received his grace? All those times that you should have died, right? Who has, who has multiple stories where you should have died, right? I have multiple accidents where, I mean, I don't know how I survived. We looked at the car and, you know, makes my parents probably made them cry. But also, man, I can't imagine the, the torment that I put them through looking at those vehicles after. <laughs> Thank God for his grace. Amen. So God is really giving grace to this earth, whether they accept it or not or believe it or not. But we as believers, we have received his grace. Now we've become aware of his grace. And what happens is, is the person that is broken, the person that goes through a trial, that has an issue, 
and suddenly they hit a bottom and they turn to God. Even though God didn't do that to you and uh, it's not fun during, it is a gift simultaneously because our Bible says that God uses all things. Everything works together for the good, right? Of those who are, love God and called according to his purpose. He uses, right, any the alcoholism, which breaks you, but then your eyes open and you don't know what to do. You're broken. I don't know where to turn, but except to look up. And there's this tremendous gift that the world really, they are just as broken and just as hurting. They just don't realize it. Every single person in this entire world is broken and is hurting and is in need of our Savior, Jesus Christ. They just don't know it. But when you get into a trial, when you're going through a struggle, it makes you look up more than you did before. Even believers, right? You know you love God. We come to the Lord. We love him. And then we go into a slump in our lives. Who's been there? Right? We, we're, we're not doubting God. We're not like just backsliding and going, running in the world. I mean, we're just going through a hard time as believers. That'll come too. But what does it do? It always makes me pray more. Does it make you pray more? makes you a little more aware of that same Savior who was always there, same grace. The grace doesn't change. His love doesn't change. I'm just more aware of it. And so I think it's a gift and also a decision time because what happens is in that time is I've seen it before where I'll talk to somebody who's going through the struggle and they're in the trial and what the devil wants you to do is to get you to focus on the thing, get you to focus on the trial as if either A, God did that to you, or God doesn't care about you, or just, just kind of a fatalistic thinking where I just don't care, and you just give up, and it's just a lot easier just to not think about anything or anyone, and just abandon, and just go and enjoy your frivolousness, and kind of like the prodigal son, right? It's a lot easier, because the son who stayed... Uh, obedient to the father says, hey, you know, it was hard for me here. I've been obedient. I've been working hard, and he's just gone running out and just doing whatever he wants. It's a lot easier to do that, isn't it? But that just makes you break harder. We know that. So thank God we have a little bit of wisdom, hopefully, as believers, where we get into the trial, and what do we do? We've learned. I don't want to fall even harder. We learn, okay, I'm in this. This is time to look up. This is time to focus on him. This is a moment I need to believe in him even more. Because if I don't, if I do the other thing, which is just to say, well, let's just see what happens, or I don't care, I'm just going to go. It's kind of that game, how low can you go? Because that's what's going to happen. God will allow you to go as low as, it, as you need. That's not him being sadistic. That's not him being mean. That's his love. That's his love because he knows the only answer is him, and if it takes you to go a little bit deeper and a little bit darker so that you finally see the light, he will allow it, but he'll be there. There's grace and there's protection. I don't understand it all. I mean, that's, that's between him and the person, right? I don't wish that on anyone, but that is a reality. And so we as believers here today, I want us to understand something. It's a very simple truth, but it is the reality that we have in the earth, which is that our greatest strength is our weakness. You cannot even come to Christ until you acknowledge, I cannot do it. Right? When we came to the altar, what did we come to? 
we came to the place where we realized our human, I want to be very specific now, our human weakness. We came to the place where we said, I'm making a mess, I'm broken, I'm hurting, and maybe you even said it something like this, God, maybe you can do something with it. You know, God, if you want my life, take it. It might not even have been this big, deep, you know, sobbing kind of salvation initially. Some people had those stories, but you know, God hears those prayers too, because he hears it through your brokenness and answers those prayers and says, yes, I do want that life and I will do something with it. Even just to come to him to begin with, we must be broken. We must come to the place where we realize, I cannot do that. I, I cannot do it. I cannot uh, manage this life. This is not working. I don't have control. There, is, there are powers at work that are greater than me. So we turn to the power that is greater than the powers at work. Amen. Right there, you have to be aware of this. There is an enemy, just as real as God is real, the devil is real. And if you don't turn to him, <laughs> this is a harsh reality, and it's funny whenever I bring it up, but your father is the devil. I know that that's like, whoa, 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 man. What did you just say? But that's my Bible. My Bible says he turned to those that should have been the greatest of all, to the teachers, to those that really had studied it and been trained, to the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's in the Old Testament. Those were the teachers. Those were the guys studying the word day and night and supposedly uh, preaching to the people of the community and raising them up and training them to know God like them. And you know what Jesus said to them? Jesus said, your father is the devil. Why? Did he just have a problem with certain groups of people or certain job descriptions or because they were Pharisees or Sadducees? No, it's because they were unwilling to be broken. They were unwilling to let the message that Jesus was bringing them, to let it pierce their hearts. And they put up a, a wall and they put up hardness, hardness of heart, and they blocked God out. And so what I want to talk about today and, and, and this, is not just, this is not an intro, this is the sermon, but I'm just keep on, I'm unraveling this, especially because it's going to be next week as well and the week after, is that as we get saved, this is a continual, everybody say a continual process in our lives. I'm not saying that it's going to be salvation over and over again. You don't get saved over and over again, but to be honest, it looks a lot like salvation over and over again. It's not him reseating you in Christ, but who begins each day just saying, Lord, I give you my life. Just like I did when I got saved, I said the same things, Lord, you have my life. And to be honest, whenever I'm going through, you know, mental, physical, spiritual struggles, I, I call upon him again and I say, Lord, take my life. You have my life. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you that this issue is yours. And I'm doing the same thing that I did when I first got saved, which is just handing it over to him. I can't do it, but I know you can. Amen. And so I want to look today about at a principle that is so key for us as believers. It is the principle called oneness. I want you to say it out loud. Oneness. Now, the New Age and other religions, they love t stealing things from God, don't they? I said, I had a little, uh, a month ago in my last sermon, I 
flipped it around and I said, God's a copycat. What I meant to say is the devil's a copycat. And so we, we edited it out for the podcast. You didn't hear that if you were listening, but if you were here, it's, I tried to say the devil is a copycat, okay? I'm going to say that again. So anybody who thinks, man, did you hear him say God's a copycat? The devil's a copycat. God is the original, right? He's the OG, original God, right? But the devil is a copycat. And what he will do is he will steal concepts from God, and he will steal ideas from God, and then we're afraid to touch them because we're like, wow, that's new age. Like Dawn, my wife, will say, you know, when she was a kid, she remembers some of the Christian kids weren't allowed to wear dolphins on their shirts because, you know, dolphins were a big symbol of new age. And it really, you know, I understand it really is, but it gets weird quick, doesn't it? Right? At the same time, I don't encourage you to be checking the, the astrology and uh, zodiac daily. Because that's where now we're into another area. Amen. We all understand that, okay? Dolphins, okay, God made dolphins. The devil twisted it and turned it into something new age. But those are God's creatures. The zodiac, okay, that's a different conversation. We could talk after church. Amen. Oneness is this concept that could be very flighty and very loose and light and just oneness. I'm one with the universe and I'm, I'm one with everyone and I'm one with every creature and everything, right? And it can get all weird and twisted into the new age and into the world, but it is a concept that God designed from the beginning of time. The Bible says God is one. Who knows that? God is one. He's multifaceted, isn't he? He's not just multifaceted in, in being God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but he's also multifaceted in his personality, right? He's the scientist. He's the, he's the, you know, the astrophysicist, and he's also the artist and the poet at the same time, isn't he? He's all of it at once. God is multifaceted, and then when the Bible says that he made Adam and Eve in the earth, he says to them, he says, I want you to go into the garden, and I want you to tend this garden, and I want you to be free, and, and, and I want you to take care of the animals and those things. And, and the Bible says he, he, he let them have this place, and yet he's God the Father in heaven. They're on the earth. But the Bible says very clearly that he said, let us make man in our image. And then the Bible says that as he released them, out of the dust, right, the clay becomes, becomes a figure, but it's not alive yet. The Bible says he breathed his own spirit into them, and they became a living being. Suddenly, now, two separate entities, God the Father in heaven and Adam on earth, were one. Adam carried God's spirit within him. Now, who knows the curse broke that, right? It broke this barrier. We were separated from God, and we needed to go through religion, we needed to go through priests, we needed to go through uh, a, a, a system to get back to God. And even then, the Bible says, even then, like Moses, who was a friend of God, Abraham's friends of God, the Bible says in the New Testament that even they wish for the time that we have. Aren't you aware of that? Because we don't just go through a system and, and, and religion to get to God, but we have the Holy Spirit with us at every moment of every day, that you don't just come here to meet God. We come to church, uh, the building. We're already the church, the people driving to and from. You realize that, right? And we have the Holy Spirit within us in the car on the way here and on the way home. 
but we come together to worship him together. This is a separate thing. This is not church. This is just the building we also call church. But you are the church, and you carry the Holy Spirit in you. You are the temple. I just want you to raise your hand so you acknowledge it. I'm the temple of the Lord. And so God has restored back his original design through the purchase, he paid a price. He shed his blood for you. That was an immense price that we won't even understand, right? There's all kinds of songs about that. I can't even understand the price you paid. Oh, the price you paid. But what that blood did was it didn't just give us salvation to go into heaven one day, but it created a oneness of heaven and earth again. And I'm not, this is, this is the Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it up right here in John 17. I'm not talking weirdness or flighty or new age. This is the concept that God wanted. He said, Adam and Eve, you're on the earth. I want you to do your thing here. I'm giving you freedom and reign. And now they didn't, it wasn't free to sin because sin hadn't entered their concept yet, right? So when I say freedom, I don't mean you can just do anything you want. It was free within the parameters of holiness. Does that make sense? We need to be taught holiness. That's why the Holy Spirit, we have a freedom, but he's also guiding us. Amen. To keep us from going back to the fall that Adam and Eve experienced. But what God is trying to do is get us to be free here on the earth, like Adam and Eve were originally designed, and keep us from falling, keep us safe at the same exact time. That's where Adam and Eve had the freedom, but then that freedom turned to sin. When we... As Christians come up against sin, what happens? Who can, who can testify that the Holy Spirit immediately says, don't do that? Something within you says, I shouldn't do this. And then something else within you says, but I really want to. And depending on which voice you listen to, you're going to have a certain circumstances of uh, 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 a series of events that are going to unfold. Amen. And thank God for his grace and his mercy. But the Holy Spirit is there to keep us on track. It's not religion, but this is to keep us in that oneness, which is to keep us free. Who wants to be free? Who wants to be in the freedom that God truly designed, where he says, Adam and Eve, I want you just to be free. Who knows that when they, when they sinned, they brought upon a curse. There was a curse. The ground became hard. Childbirth became hard. <laughs> the Bible says that the woman, she would try to control the husband, and the husband would rule over the woman. And so there were curses. There was, this, there was a hard life ahead of them because of sin. And the Holy Spirit is trying to keep us in the freedom that Jesus paid to give us. Now, one day, all of this is going to be washed away. This whole earth is going to be washed away, and the oneness will become much clearer to your naked eye. But right now, it's within our spirit. Does that make sense? Who knows in your spirit? It doesn't matter what anyone says. You, you could be put against a cross, not that we want to look at that and think about that right this minute. It's not uncomfortable. I mean, that's, that is uncomfortable. But someone's going to say, I'm going to put you on a cross or you're going to deny Christ. And you can't do it. Your flesh doesn't want to say yes, but you can't do it because your spirit, even though you can't see him, your spirit knows I'm one with him right now. And that's the place that we must walk in. I want to look at John chapter 17. Not only is it the place we must walk in, it's actually what Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago for us. I want you to say this out loud. Jesus prayed for us, sitting here today, to have oneness with him. 
The Bible says in John chapter 17, verse 1, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Verse 3, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. Verse 5, I'm just going to skip through for time. You can go ahead and read the whole chapter. Verse 5, now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So Jesus and the Father had a glory before the world began. And the, we must then also apply the original creation and the original design before the fall as God's glory. So Adam on the earth was also reigning. He was living. He was eternal. There was no death. There was no sickness. There was no sin. He was literally reigning in the glory of God here on the earth. He was not God, but he was made in God's image. He was a son. And so the Bible says here that there is an earth, and there is this uh, what appears to be a disconnect, but Jesus says there's no disconnection. I was with you before. I'm on the earth for a purpose, and now I'm going to come back into that glory again. Amen. Does that make sense? So he says, verse 6, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world, they were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. I want you to say it out loud. They kept his word. And verse 10, all who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Verse 11, now I am departing from the world and they are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them. I want you to say this. The, Jesus is saying, and, and, and don't, don't jump the gun and say, well, this is for the disciples, because I'm going to prove you wrong. I, think, I don't think anybody's going to argue with me right now, but anyway, but if you are listening out there, it's not just for the disciples. It's for us, too, in this room. He says, Lord... He says, Father, uh, give them your name. Protect them by the power of your name so they may be, the New King James in, uh, in verse 11 says, so they may be one. United in the NLT and in the New King James it says, they may be one as we are. So Jesus said, Father, I've been on the earth doing what you've asked me to do. We can go into other scriptures. We just don't have the time, but we know the verses, right? Jesus says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Jesus was the Son of God, but he humbled himself. We're going to talk about humility in the next week or two. He humbled himself. He became like us. And the Bible says that he submitted to the Father, and yet the Bible also says that there was a unity, there was a oneness, that even though Jesus was on the earth and God was God the Father was in heaven, that there was a unity and a oneness, that, that there was no separation between life and death. Jesus didn't need to just die. He didn't need to go through the cross to enter the glory. He was living in it, but in the physical, right, his body was not. Does that make sense? 
I'm not getting too deep, too heavy, right? We're all getting this, all simple. And so Jesus said, Lord, I have prepared these people, these earthlings, these human beings, so that they could carry on what I have done on the earth. They're going to be, I'm going to come and join you in heaven, and they're going to continue to be like me on the earth. Isn't that incredible? Who's, who's just like, wow. We love the cross, and we love the altar. We come to the altar, we break, we get saved, and then it's so easy to just go back to your normal life and just go back and like, well, I'm saved, and I'm just going to go live my life now. There is so much more. There is such a depth. There is so much more to our salvation than just a ticket to heaven. But we have literally been rescued from, we have been rescued from death. This is what, you got to understand the concept here, that you were rescued from death and you entered life. And we do that by being one with God. It says, verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. So specifically, he's talking about in the earth. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. See, this is the key. See, Adam and Eve, they had the glory of God. They had the freedom of God, but they were deceived by the evil one and entered sin. And so God... Uh, in Christ, is praying to God the Father for us to protect us from him, from the evil one, to get us back into the fall and back into sin. This is not religion. This is the Spirit. This is the Spirit of God working in us constantly. It is for your good. It is not because God is demanding, although he could be because he's God, but it's for your good. It's out of love for you that he causes you to steer this way and not that way. We could go on and on about that. It is out of his love and his grace and his mercy that he says, don't touch that tree. Don't touch that thing. Don't watch that show. Wow. TV is so much more available than ever. Can I just make a commercial break here? I know I've said this before, but I have a Netflix subscription, and maybe we need to delete it. It's very, very little that I watch on there anymore. You cannot, as a Christian, in any way, shape, or form, watch TVMA. That's their rating, because that's like when I was a kid, NC-17 times 2. Remember NC-17? It was like very, very rare, but, you know, Radar, who sneak into a Radar movie as a kid. Our kids don't even know what that means. How do you even get to the mall without your parents? Somehow we got there and snuck in the movies. Should have never seen. But there was this rating above it that I never snuck in because then they had guards by the door. NC-17. TVMA is like NC-17 on, on steroids. We tried to put on a TV-14 show the other day. And I said, forget this. Turned it off. It's not religion. It's for my good. It's to keep me free, to keep me in life. I want to be free. I want life. I want peace. I want joy. I want hope. I want to live in the freedom that God designed for me, to be in the garden, to be free, and to occupy. I don't want to be bound. Why would I let the enemy and his subtleties come and sneak that forbidden fruit back into me? Come on. 
So he says, I'm praying that you keep them safe from the evil one. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are still doing that in us, even today, in this very moment, Lord, speaking to us and shaping us and molding our minds, Lord, keeping us right, checking our hearts. We know when it's right and when it's wrong, we need to listen to you more often. Thank you, God. Verse 16, I want to say, I'm going to make a, a, a little adjustment here because we know the scripture, so you guys know the verse, in the world and not of the world, right? So they're in this world, but they don't belong to this world any more than I do. So Jesus had, a, had the glory of God, but he walked in the earth. He was in the earth just like you and I are in the earth. We're in the earth, but I'm not part of this earth. This is not my home. And Jesus said, Father, this was not my home, but I'm here. Does that make sense? I'm physically here, but this is not my home. They're physically here, but this is not their home. So he says, make them holy. Don't you love that Jesus prayed for us? I love. I mean, I think saints, we can pray for each other, and they're powerful, more powerful than you realize. But Jesus himself prayed for us. He said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. See, the word of God is not just a book. It's not rules and regulations. It is not, it's not religion but it is life. Amen. Who knows that it's life? The Bible says of itself that it is living. It is living. It says it gets inside of us and it separates what is soul and what is spirit. My soul wants to do what it wants to do, but my spirit is connected to God. That's what my word says. So my spirit is constantly telling Adam, don't, don't do that. That's not how he's speaking, but that's how I hear it because I'm so dense. Do this. And my soul's like, but I don't want to. And the Bible says there's a war inside of us between our soul and our spirit. But it is to our benefit. It's, yes, I could say it's to God's benefit. I don't want to say it has nothing to do with God because that's not true. That's much deeper to try to unpack and unfold. That's a big conversation. So, but just for the moment, let's say it doesn't have to do with him in heaven. Does that make sense? It doesn't affect his kingship. God's throne won't be moved if you decide that you don't want him. It does matter to him, though, so I don't want to say it doesn't matter to him, because it does. But it is for you. Say, it's for me. It's to my benefit that I eat of the tree of life and not of the tree of good and evil. It didn't affect God. It did affect him because it broke his heart, right? So that's what I'm saying. I, I don't want to get into that. We could talk forever. He broke his heart so much, he sent his only son. So it affects God, but his kingdom and his throne is still stay, stays the same forever. But he says, uh, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Wow. Do you hear that? You are... Jesus said, I mean, I'm going to take some license here, but let's just say, in the same way, shape, and form, in every way that I walked in the earth, I'm commissioning them to walk in the earth. And verse 19, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by 
your truth. So Jesus, we know that the only way the holiness came, the only way that the, see, the only reason the word of God is life is because Jesus separated sin and death. He got in between the soul and the spirit for us. He, he, he got inside that rift that, 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 you know, the Bible talks about Abraham's bosom. You remember the, the parable? And there was no way to get over. There was no the way for Abraham to get over to, uh, to Lazarus to give him water, right? There was a disconnect between death and life. And Jesus got in between death and life and has bridged the gap. And so it's by his purchasing power that the word which is written even has life because the word that was flesh, Jesus Christ, anointed it. Amen. I am, verse 20, here we go, I'm praying, wow, Lord, I'm taking this for me today, like you just are, like he's speaking it to your heart this morning. I am praying, not only for these disciples, but also for all, everybody say all, everybody say that means me, that means that we today are being prayed for by Christ. The Bible says that even this moment, Jesus is sitting next to the Father pleading for us. Do you know that? My word says that Jesus pleads for us to the Father. He said, I pray not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And I pray Verse 21, now here's the point, I want you to focus on this. All of this is for what? So Jesus was one with the Father, and he commissioned men. I want you to say, he commissioned men. They were humans, and yet they represented God in the earth, and they carried within them a supernatural message. And the Bible says that when that message enters your human ears, but your spirit responds, you have the opportunity to become like them like Christ. Amen. That's why somebody got you saved, and hopefully there's some people in your life that you've spoken to, and they've gotten saved, and if not yet, then you're going to. Amen. But somebody preached to somebody who preached to somebody who preached to somebody who preached to somebody, and they've been recreating not just salvations, not just tickets to heaven, but Christ in the earth, representatives of Christ in the earth. And there is a oneness. In fact, I began to just meditate on this reality that not only are we one in this room, Dawn and I are one. The Bible says that when a husband and a wife are married, they are joined together, they become one flesh. But the Bible also says that that same picture of a husband and wife becoming one flesh, one person, even though we're two, is the picture of Christ and his church. Do we know that, right? That comes from Ephesians. So Jesus, and that means that not only are Dawn and I one, but I'm one with you guys, and not only are we one, but we are one with Christ. And not only that, you ready for this? This is where your mind just explodes. I'm one with Paul. I'm one with Peter. And I'm one with believers that haven't even said yes to him yet because God's outside of time. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. It's, a, it's such a big concept that it's one to hear in your ears and then let your spirit digest for a couple of days. It says, I pray, verse 21, that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, 
and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So this is what's amazing. It says, I pray that they will be one. Ready for this? This is what's incredible. In the same way, who believes that there is an inseparable connection between Christ and his Father? I mean, I'm talking, I don't even understand how tight it is, right? People still argue, is it one person with like three faces? I was joking, uh, my 12-year-old, Levi, was saying when he was little, he thought that God the Father was on the front. And you remember, you know the little, you know the action figures, you can turn the head for a frown or a smile? And he thought that Jesus, you turn the head, was on the other side. Simplistic thinking, right? He's one. How can it be one person and two people? It's got to be one head with two faces. People are still arguing, is it, is it one person and different facets of him, or is it three people that have one name? I mean, we're not going to get into that today. The point is that I don't think you can separate God the Father from Jesus Christ the Son. And he said that I want, I want them to be one in the same way. We are supposed to be so tight and so connected, first of all, to Christ, and that's your key. You really cannot be connected to your brothers and sisters, and we're going to get into this in the next weeks, until you are connected to Christ, until you are fully submitted to him. Because Jesus was so submitted to the Father that when he served, remember, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. When he served the disciples, he was just doing what was natural in him from the Father. The Father's heart was love and grace and mercy. That's why he sent Christ. So for Jesus to serve the disciples wasn't something he tried to do. It just was who he was because he was one with the Father. Amen. And so if you become one with Christ, you don't have to try to be a Christian. If you're still trying to be Christian, then you might not be one with Christ yet. That's not to condemn you. That just brings us back to the altar and say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you more. I could leave you condemned, right? Like some sermons, if they got cut short and say, man, he said, I'm not very Christian, so I must not be connected to Christ. I'm not leaving you there. Every time I feel like I'm not Christian, you know what that causes me to do? Lord, I need to get in your word. I need to spend some time with you because that's not right. I don't want to be religious and think because I have to do it, but I must be far from you because that's not you. And my Bible says that we are one. It's a great indicator that we might not be as one right now. We're, it's not that we're disconnected, but maybe we're a little bit further away than I should be. Amen. And so I'm wrapping up here, but he says, verse 22, not only are we one in that way, Verse 21, I just want to say this one point. The Bible says that the world will believe. That's the testimony. The world will believe that we're sent by Christ when they see the oneness that we have with him. That's Again, that's dual fold. A lot of, uh, I remember uh, Gandhi said it. He said, I like Christ, I just don't like Christians, right? And what was the point, right? It doesn't matter what he says at the same time, but he, he made a valid point, which is that he saw people not representing him very well. And that made Christ, you know, kind of confusing or, or, you know, not necessarily something he felt like he needed. And so it's very key that we do represent him well. And simultaneously, when the church is one, when we are one with each other, those two things together, the Bible says it's a testimony that will actually prove to the world that Christ is real and that he was sent and that he's in us. And verse 22 says, I have given them the glory. Wow. You hear this? There's an actual glory of God in you right now. 
you are carrying. He says, I've given them. And remember, he just said, not just for the disciples. Come on, this is not 2,000-year-old text. But for all who believe, I'm giving this church today my glory so that they may be one as we are one. He says, verse 23, I'm in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Isn't his word amazing? His word is filled with life. This is not an old book. This is not just religion, but God is life, isn't he? And aren't we so thankful to know him? I just want to pray, Lord God, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, each week, I pray that this word, your word says of itself that it's a seed. I pray that it would be sowed in good ground. Lord, that our hearts would be soft. They would be open to you. Lord, that they would not be hard. That they would not just sit on the surface. And we would not let the cares of this life just choke it away and we just move on. But Lord, it would get down deep in us and it would grow and it would produce life in us. In Jesus' name, amen.